Hi Dave, don't think I haven't spotted what you tried to do there with the old Bok Tom Bombadil. Trying to pin that on me. Nice try, fella. What's that? Oh, wait, what you got there, Mr. Henchman? Is that a grenade? Let me just pull the pin out of it. There you go. Off you go. Uh, what? I feel like that new kid at school that someone's pin pinned on their back kicked me. All right. <laughs> Cheers, bye. Gary and Dave shared credit on the white bus. As things advanced, their relationship was on the rocks Maybe less people know his name But he revolutionized war games With the first fantasy campaign On a So call-ins this episode, kicking us off there before TJ Drennan's fantastic Deep Centaur theme tune was Goblin's Henchman. I don't know what you're bothered about, Goblin's Henchman, I really enjoyed that Bombardier discussion. Got a little bit deep in places, which I enjoy. I think a few other people enjoyed it as well. So I say thanks for kicking us off. Hi Dave, it's Liren. I'm catching up on past episodes. I have fallen way behind because it's been a crazy week. And I saw, I'm, I'm on your episode where one of the titles is Pentangles. And at first when I read that, I thought you were referring to Zentangles. I don't know if you know what those are. And I thought, wow, that is really interesting that Dave does Zentangles. I would not have thought that. <laughs> so Zentangles is just a mindful or um, kind of meditative way to draw repetitive patterns. And there are certain ones and you divide your drawing space up into a certain number of sections and then fill it with different patterns. Anyway, it's a really interesting practice. And if you look it up, you'll see why I went, wow, really? Like, I'm not even sure how popular that is in other places. Anyway, loving your episode. Back to listening. Listening back to this just now, I realise I absolutely gabbled my intro to this section. So this is Liren, of course, calling from the updates from the Middle of Nowhere podcast. I've just found myself a spot in Greyfires Place in Oxford amongst the standing stones to re-record this part. Great to hear from you. It's taken me a while to play this one. This is actually the first of a little batch of call-ins which link to my episode, <coughs> which I was calling the Pentangle. Uh, which was covering my ideas for a micro game that I would release for Arneson Month. Quick headline on the micro game, I think, is that <clears throat> it's more of an idea than a fully worked out thing, and I don't want to release it half-baked at the moment, so that's likely not to see the light of day in Arneson Month. I mean, as I... As I got hooked on the idea of the pentangle, I was visualising a beautiful character sheet with all the five saves arranged on a beautiful pentangle diagram. But I think the initial idea I have, I had of, um, of a world and its perils that were shaped by the, the nature of the five saves sort of morphed into a couple of interesting mechanical ideas for a rules-like game, which I think I'll save and work on more carefully later. But there's some interesting contributions on that, nevertheless. Lyra and I enjoy this random contribution on Zentangles, which I must admit I'd not heard of, even though I have had a bit of engagement with um, Zen and Taoism, uh, because, as you know, I'm a 
Heidegger scholar and Heidegger actually made a concerted effort later in life to engage with Eastern philosophy and there are some, there are some interesting um, convergences between Heideggerian thought and, uh, and various Eastern philosophies. But no, I don't engage in the exercise of, of making Zen tangles, although there is a similar Zen-like experience which some anchorites will of course recognise, which is the experience of dungeon mapping. And if I really want to unwind or get into a meditative state, meditative state, then I just need uh, a few pencils and my ink and some graph paper. Arvid here, just listening to you talking about your game where you're looking at making sort of same throws, the main mechanic, um, and you were saying about time. I thought it does depend on what you do with the, the stats and such, um, but if you had something like King of Dungeons where you've got your sort of strength, fortitude, your dexterity and, and your will, um, maybe for traveling you know if you go into a dungeon or a location you could test on the sort of weakest fortitude or sort of constitution um and if he doesn't doesn't make that saving throw then they have to stop and they won't reach there till after nightfall or whatever uh you know a, a dexterity check on a, a thief trying to pick a lock he hasn't done it quietly enough or quick enough before something comes wandering along so I think there's some options there. It does sound interesting, so uh, keep us tuned. Hey Dave, it's Jay. I've just been listening to your journal on your new game based on saving throws. And that sounds kind of an interesting series of thoughts. Um, I'll be honest with you, I think I'd quite prefer you to take the original saves and see what you can do with them. But uh, hey, it's just me. And I kind of wonder, part of me wonders, is there really a difference between rolling a saving throw and rolling a stat check? But I guess that's conceptually a difference. Hmm. I don't know. It's a good thought experiment. Thanks, man. All right, you heard Arfed there first and then Che Webster from the Roleplay Rescue podcast. And these are both really useful bits of feedback because you can hear them coming at the same problem from different directions and that problem is I mean initially the point of thinking about a game that was all saves is because you read those early editions and they're just weird the saves you know why why this particular set of distinctions why these particular conditions or types of damage that have special saves outside of the roll under attribute system which which quite naturally emerges in both of the, in most of those versions of the of the game my initial idea for for doing this game is to say well what instead of saying look i don't need them anymore because i can roll under attribute for any condition what about if we said let's make a virtue of those and imagine a sort of strange game where the world was defined by those particular set of distinctions i mean yeah everybody's tried to do it. everybody's tried to rationalize why particular classes get particular tweaks on the saves and it never really makes very much sense classes that should have particularly strong attributes that seem to link to the scope of one of the saves then don't have a very high save none of that ever really works out i've seen loads and loads of bogs people trying to rationalize that but that was the idea for the game let's say let's make a virtue of that and let's take those five weird distinctions between perils and say let's build the dungeon experience around that and i dropped that very quickly you can see um for what what basically tends ends up morphing into a a roll under attribute system which of course 
people are doing and have done very well. So that's what the black hack does and does it very effectively. So I think once I've lost that central premise, I'm not really sure if there is very much to the game um, and, and whether other people haven't already done that better. What emerged as I was putting the game together though, I think I did have one particular idea which I enjoyed and that was the idea of a game where everything, you know, you only pick up the dice when you're going to save against death and everything else you can do narratively and that's the bit that Jason has picked up on. I'm going to play you Jason now from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey Dave, just listen to the first episode of your reference, your mini game, and I'm in the car, just got home from driving around with my big dog Gadget, who loves car rides, but, um, so, the idea of an all-saving throw game is brilliant, brilliant, my friend, you could use it with any module from any system, it's great, so the two things that jumped to mind initially for me were... It would be an ideal kids game because it's very simple and obviously you figure out the risk tables, you know, the results if you fail a saving throw, you, you cater those towards kids. But an all saving throw game would be great for kids because you're not encouraging combat, you're encouraging alternate ways around things. So it would be a great kids game. And then of course the other genre it would be great for would be like Call of Cthulhu or horror or, you know, mystery, those kind of games where you don't want fights. I hope I identify myself on that first message. But anyway, so I think it'd be great for kids' games. I think it'd be great for horror games. Any game where you don't want to encourage combat, you want to encourage alternate thinking, I think your system is brilliant. The other thing I think is going to be necessary, and you already alluded to this, so I know you're already thinking about it, is that you need to have a varied set of random tables for the consequences for failing the save. And maybe... You roll your different die size, so you have your set of consequences, and they get worse as you roll a higher number. So if it's not a very, you know, if the the if the consequences of failing isn't too bad, you roll the d4 or d6. If the consequences of failing is really bad, you're rolling a d20, right? So you, you roll a bigger die for the worst consequences or something like that. I look forward to seeing how it progresses. Yeah, thanks, Jason, and thanks, Gadget, for the for the input. Um, I think you've you've latched onto the bit which I now think is probably distinctive um, and emerging from the game. But it's but it's taken me a little bit away from where I started, and I'm not sure if I'll get it together uh, for release this month. But yeah, the the idea that's emerging is a game you know where. It doesn't have a combat system. Even what you would normally call a combat becomes a save against death. You're right. I was thinking, um, you know, it's very rules-like for pick up and play with kids, but also it could make for a terrifying game where the only, the only time you pick up the dice is to avoid some nasty thing happening. So, I mean, Maze Rats mucks around with this. In, in Maze Rats, the rules say... Um, you know, outside of combat at least, you don't really want to be picking up the dice, you want to be solving problems um, using player skill because when you pick up the dice you're likely to fail and that's not good. Um, and Maze Rats says even combat you want to be avoiding because it's perilous but then it still gives you a combat system and I think that idea of not having a combat system, so when you get into something you might normally think of as combat you are now just rolling saves to not die. It would work great with horror where you're never going to beat your foe by fighting it. You've got 
got to find some special narrative way uh, of beating it. So you're only ever going to get away from an encounter. You're not going to win a fight. So I'm thinking now there is a game there. There's a game where the players only ever pick up uh, the dice to avoid some nasty misfortune. And if you then, um, you know, if you had that as a central principle, that could make for some interesting uh, distinctive elements. So quite a lot of the time when players roll abilities it doesn't really do much for the drama and the tension of the game. I mean rolling to pick a lock <laughs> you know unless something's coming to get you or there's something on the other side that's going to notice you there's no drama to picking a lock. You succeed or you fail. Much easier to say look if your character um, if it works for your character's narrative background or if your character is in possession of the lock picks then providing there's nothing nasty about to happen if you try to pick the lock you're going to pick the lock that's more fun <laughs> but what you might say is this becomes dramatically interesting if you need to pick the lock within a certain amount of time or uh, or you need to achieve some goal within a certain amount of time or something's going to come and get you so i thought the only other role i might introduce would be uh well, basically just the timer die from RC ICRPG, which be, would be a GM role. So, you know, in most cases, picking the lock, yep, if you've got the lock picks, there you go, that's what you had them for. That's why you picked them up. Well done. Um, you can unlock that door, and there's a whole other bit of the dungeon which you can now get to, which you couldn't otherwise get to. That's great, but there's no point really rolling. However, you might say, okay, here's a room, here's the things that are going on, here you go, here's my D4 roll, right, in three rounds, turns, whatever you're calling them, three significant actions, so we'll go around the table three times, and if at the end of that you haven't resolved this situation, then I'm going to call for a save against death, because now the trap has sprung, or the monsters have come, or whatever. And then I thought battles, yeah, so a battle would be uh, a really perilous situation, because it's just a certain kind of save against death, and I thought if you wanted to have a really significant foe, then you just make more saves. So now you haven't got to get through one save, you've got to get through two saves or three saves, depending on the uh, the power and the general sort of terror level, terror level of the foe. Yeah, and you're right, Jason. The part of the fun of that was then going to be that the majority of the um, micro game would just be a bunch of random tables, which are just. <laughs> lists of nasty things that can happen to your character. I had gone about it a different way. I really like your suggestion in which I can see a little bit of the DCC crit tables and fumble tables. You know, the DCC crit tables and fumble tables, um, you roll a die which corresponds to how, well, either how combat competent or how clumsy you are. Um, and so, yeah, the worst things are up at the top of the table and you're only going to get to those if you've got a certain dice size. I really like that. So that, that would make it a more elegant system. So you've got one save, which you succeed or fail. Um, and then if you fail, you've got a dice size that corresponds to the nature of the peril, which you roll on a single table. Um, and so it's only if you are rolling the higher dice sizes that you're going to get to the nastier perils at the top. I like that very much. It's likely that that will make its way into an eventual version of the game. But as I say, really, the game is not sufficiently cooked, I don't think, with sort of two weeks left of Honest and Month to make it out this month. But never mind. As usual, I'm keen to hear the call-ins and I'll catch you soon.
oh my gosh, as I'm naming this episode, I've just sort of typed in Pentangle and remembering that I'm corresponding with Jason because we've both been trying to watch a spooky movie every day this month for October. I have not succeeded. I've failed this week, probably because I've been under the weather. Um, and I'm not likely to get back to that. But I've been typing in Pentangle, which just occurs to me, look, Pentangle, five types of save, five perils, witches, spooky October... I've got to get this done for the end of the month. Um, it's going to be horror themed, specifically evil cult witch themed. What was I reading recently? Suspiria. I'm going to take watching, sorry, I'm going to take Suspiria as my central inspiration. And uh, yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, thanks to uh, my favourite jazz folk combo, the Pentangle, for that all coming together at the last minute. All right, so what's emerging is a witchcraft-themed game, witches, pagans, Satanists, cinema influences, let's have Race with the Devil, Suspiria, Rosemary's Baby, Hereditary, The Wicker Man. I need five saves, five different ways that the witches will get you. Come on, get the call-ins coming in. I'm excited now. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com, or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.